Shout out to my homie Keys, Xavier Keys, on the vocals on this. Okay. Honestly, they couldn't stop me if they wanted to. Gotta get up, go out and get it, and that's what I'm gonna do. I've been focused, I'm not hungry. Yo, I'm starving, dude. Grind mode with my team, we making these power moves. Honestly, they couldn't stop me if they wanted to. Gotta get up, go out and get it, and that's what I'm gonna do. I've been focused, I'm not hungry, you're gonna starve me, dude. In grind mode with my team, we making these power moves. Cause I ain't got no time to be wasting with all this music I'm making. Man, I'm tired of being impatient, so I keep making these moves here with my crew. Vow to myself to always stay true, so I don't care what nobody else do, I know why. Like an erection, bumps in the road, but nah, I ain't stressing. I don't work out, but homie, I'm flexing. Every time I get on the beat and I bless it. Rise and shine, and I never let another come and stop my grind Cause I grind all night at the gig, no lie Then it's back in the booth for some overtime, come on Nope Mm-mm Shout out to Miss Almaramos Shout out to Miss B Uh-huh I said I Hey, hey, hey My mom's told me to get them So I don't care what y'all say I just keep grinding yeah, I stay working, cause it's, you know I'm, I said, uh, that's right, in the lab with a pen and a pad, I, I, let's ride, make it look so easy, don't let me make y'all mad, one thing I know, one thing is certain, I can't stop, won't stop, cause me and my team stay working, one thing I know, one thing is certain, can't stop, won't stop, on the grind, get in mind, I'm working, no sleep, spit heat, killing these tracks, and I'm not gonna stop till I'm up on top where I'm supposed to be, everywhere I go, I scream SP, we more than a crew, we your family, working, trying to get a couple Grammys, G, having sitting on top of the mantelpiece, thank God, go hard, they just mad cause I'm on my job, but where I'm from, I see the grind to starve, I starve and I just can't do it. Not having it, unthinkable. So I turn in the stretch, arm strong, and now I can reach the unreachable. Let's go. Hey, trying to yo, they. I said I can't sit still. I just laugh at y'all haters. Cause I, yeah, hey, 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 hey. Mom's told me, so why don't? Let's go. I just keep. Yeah, I stay. Cause it's, you know I'm, I said I, that's right, uh, in the lab with a pen and a pad, I, I, let's ride, make it look so easy, don't it make you mad, one thing I know, one thing is certain, I can't stop, won't stop, cause me and my team stay working, one thing I know, one thing is certain, can't stop, won't stop, on the ground, get in mind, I'm working. Don't ever let anybody tell you that you can't get what you want. Whatever you dreaming for, you get out there and you get it. You make it happen. Never mind the haters. Real still. Because uh, all day, always, get them. Yes, sir. I'm grinding. Stay working. Hey. I said, uh, that's right, in the lab with a pen and a pad, uh, let's ride, make it look so easy, don't it make you mad, one thing I know, one thing is certain, can't stop, won't stop, cause me and my team stay working, one thing I know, one thing is certain, can't stop, won't stop, on the ground, get in mind, I'm working, Rise and shine, pour yourself a cup of coffee and tune in to Good Morning Aurora. News, weather, and really cool interviews, Monday through Friday from 8 to 9 a.m.
morning, Aurora. Good morning, Aurora. Good morning, Aurora. The time is 8 o'clock on the nose. 8 a.m. on the from a lot of places, including Temple B'nai Israel as well. Um, we'll start off with that, actually. Wednesday the 27th, 5.30 p.m. will be the Yom Hoshua um, Holocaust Memorial Service. That'll be at the Millennium Plaza Gazebo, Gulp Avenue, where the um, Easter Bunny celebration took place at. Come on out there, check it out, uh, learn from our friends of Temple Benai Israel, and once again, it's going to be the 27th, which is April, or excuse me, April 27th, which is a Wednesday uh, at 5.30 p.m. So, get ready for that. Monica, how are you feeling? I'm doing good today. Good, good, good. All right. Oh, scratch that up, DJ. Remix. Um, I have news about a TIF district being created for that $70 million apartment complex. You guys remember that apartment complex, of course. DAC developers, we got news about that. We got the news about uh, Monday Park and some news about Advocate Northwestern Hospitals as well. Yesterday, you will have heard uh, some news that came out of the city council. There was a delay on a vote for summer youth program contracts due to the lack of sites on the east side, or rather east side sites. Um, the contract was for $194,000 with cities and schools to handle the programs for youths and East Aurora School District 131, West 129, Oswego 308, and IPSD 204. Alderwoman Wani Garza and uh, Alderwoman Shakita Hart Burns uh, put the hold on the contract because, quote, all of the programs are going to be on the west side or in Oswego. It's unfair. Our kids need it. Close quote. Now, according to uh, Mr. Simon Rodriguez, the city's youth services manager, he said cities and schools has strong partnerships with the various school districts as well as many youth-based organizations. I myself believe that we'd like to see representation of the east side and all of these uh, matters and these endeavors. So I do like the poll to make sure that we get on the um, get on the, the bandwagon here. But think about this. Think about this. Most of the time when we have a hold, it's four things that aren't youth related. I don't hear that too much. And most things pass, especially on the consent agenda with the city council. So I'm glad that they put the small kibosh and weight on things, uh, but it is gonna come. Definitely these uh, programs are going to get approved. That'll happen. So hopefully they're taking a look at things and going back and reading and checking, making like Santa Claus, making a list, checking it twice and getting some east side sites on there. Um, all right. Mayor Urban indicated there had been a location on the east side, but it fell through. Reacting to the request from the alderman, he said city staff would provide the city council a comprehensive list of locations for all city summer programs. According to Alderwoman Hart Burns, that list should include all youth programs, including what the Fox Valley Park District is doing. Time is 8.04 a.m. All right. Uh, Tracy Duran, friend of the show, uh, hip the brother to a story that was in the news recently, and I want to highlight this. Royal City Council has voted to take over ownership, excuse me, to take ownership of displays for the Festival of Lights. The City of Aurora and the Aurora Rotary Club Foundation are set to exchange ownership of the thousands of lights that make up the annual Festival of Lights celebration in the city. Uh, now, Ownership of the lights would be to the city, which would take over the seasonal festival. The Rotary Club of Aurora has been around for almost 100 years. And for the past 15 years, 
It has organized and hosted the Fox Valley, excuse me, the Festival of Lights at Phillips Park. The city helped out Phillips Park as a city park. The festival traditionally runs the day after Thanksgiving through the day after Christmas and attracts thousands of holiday visitors a year. While the event is free, volunteers have over the years stood at the end of the event with buckets collecting voluntary donations. The Rotary Club has donated more than $500,000 of its proceeds from the festival to nonprofits in the Aurora area. They've also donated thousands of hours of time to organizing the event, including setting up and maintaining the lights. But finding volunteers has become tougher and tougher. And Rotary officials asked the city if it could take over the event. Mayor Urban announced at uh, the State of the City address that the city would assume the responsibility. Now, you remember that. Y'all remember that part, right? You guys watched the State of the City address. It was really good. Chief Executive Mr. C oh, wait, I'm tripping. Scratch that up, DJ. I, that's not the one they was watching. Um, you guys the other, oh, the other one. Okay. Okay. So, anyway, uh, Alderman voted to take over the uh, physical stock. Rotary distributes funds to maybe 30 nonprofits. Uh, hope we will take strong consideration into helping those same organizations. And that's from Alderman Ed Bug of the Ninth Ward. Okay. So, Festival of Lights. Now, I know spring is upon us and summer is um, closely coming, so we're not going to be in the mood or the seasonal time for Festival of Lights. But when the Festival of Lights happens, please take part in that and realize that ownership has changed. Okay. Now, here's the next thing I'm going to talk about before we get to the highlight of the day. Um, the second annual Southwest Airlines MDW Tech Ops Charity Golf Tournament is uh, coming up, and it's going to benefit a great group called Caring Patriots. Uh, this will be at the Mistwood Golf Club, 1700 West Renwick Road in Romeoville. It'll be Monday, July 18th, uh, 2022. We have a flyer, or excuse me, a uh, form for submission and joining as well. Uh, but I have a digital version of this too. So regular entry, including green fees, cart, range, balls, and award banquet is $135 a person. And there are sponsorships going up to the whole sponsorship, including company signage, awards, banquet recognition, and frame hole sponsor sign. Uh, for more information, if you're a golfer, you can call 773-884-3004. That number again is 773-884-3004. Southwest and Caring Patriots. Get your golf on, ladies and gentlemen. Get your golf on. Okay. How are you guys doing out there today in listener land? I hope that you guys are all doing good. Maria, how are you today? Great, thank you. That's good. That is good. Jennifer Ryan Mason. Good morning. Aisha Saxon, TGIF. That's from our friend Marissa Amoni. Marissa, I saw your email. I will answer that email very so i'll answer today my dear friend a brother's kind of behind on the emails let me tell you what happened very recently uh i don't know if you guys know this but your spam folders you got to go in there and check your spam folders you have to go in there sometimes if people tag somebody else in or cc another person even if you talked to them before like, I've noticed that sometimes if they CC a new person that I don't know, hey, I'm it'll go to spam. Like, who is, you know, is Big Brother, can they get that right? Google social media, can y'all get that right? Uh, it's very depressing. So I got more emails than I actually thought I had. Got to get back to uh, answering those. Anyway, Norma Peterson is here. Good morning, Gams fam, good morning, good to see you. Tracy Hodges, good morning to you. Karina Suarez Darden, good morning to you, dear friend. And Casildo, good morning to you. Buenos dias, Aurora. May everyone have a blessed Good Friday. Reflect and let and be the change of tomorrow today. Thank you very much. Where's everybody going for Easter brunch? Where y'all going for Easter brunch? Put that in the chat. Where are you going for Easter brunch? Let us know. The time is 8.09 a.m. Tom Hebert, good morning to you, sir. Okay, today is a special day. We got any baseball fans out there? 
Any fans of what is known as America's great pastime, the great American pastime? Any fans out there? Monica, are you a fan of baseball? I am a fan. See? Good morning, Aurora. Loves the great American game. Um, 75 years ago today, Jackie Robinson debuted as a first baseman with the Brooklyn Dodgers while donning jersey number 42. He stepped out into the bright lights of the stadium uh, in front of a crowd at Ebbets Field. The crowd numbered more than 26,000 people. Today is the 75-year anniversary of that, and that was the second ascendancy of Jackie Robinson, who was a great man before making that history as the first African-American to play baseball in the major leagues. According to the commissioner of baseball, Mr. Rob Manfred Jr., he said that Mr. Robinson took the field under incredibly challenging circumstances and unimaginable pressure. Through his courage, character, skill, and values, he brought well-needed change to our game and advance the civil rights movement in the country. Jackie Robinson passed away on October 24, 1972. However, David Robinson, who sits on Jackie Robinson's foundation board of directors, reflected on growing up as the youngest in the family in an interview uh, which debuted on ESPN, uh, Jackie to me. Interesting. Um, Manfred said it's a top, a top priority, excuse me, to honor the National Baseball Hall of Fame inductee and recognize the impact uh, that Jackie Robinson made. In 1997, the league retired his iconic jersey number, and the Major League Baseball MLB acknowledges April 15th of each year as Jackie Robinson Day, dating back to 2004. So, uh, the annual event is by on-field personnel. It's a popular way for teams to pay homage to the trailblazing athlete, a tradition that started in 2009. Jackie Robinson's Day is the day where major league players, coaches, managers, and umpires will wear number 42 in Dodger blue. Absolutely wonderful. The time is 8.12 a.m. Dora Sanchez Soto, good morning to you, dear friend. Good to see you. Dora, you know what? I was just at McCarty Mills. I saw you there, actually, that day. Duh, right? Um, now, McCarty Mills, I don't know if you guys know this, but they have great food there, too. We have a friend named Christian um, of Rockin' Taco and Rockin' Ramen. I had, a, I had a Cubano sandwich. It was very good. I'd love to have another one right now. But I took home a couple of brewskis. You can buy like the four packs there. And there's a blueberry one that you guys have there right now, Dora. I don't know if you know the name. It's like blueberry something. It was absolutely delicious. So next time, instead of getting a, a mix and match pack, right, I'm going to get just three of the blueberry ones. Hi, everybody. We're on camera. That's right. Yes. Hello. How y'all doing? How y'all doing? How y'all doing? All right. Monica? Yes. Would you please take us to a commercial? Thank you. Oh, me? Yeah. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. Here are your local headlines. Real news, real people, real stories, 100% Aurora. Don't forget to please subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on all of our content. There you can also watch all of our interviews and receive notifications when we go live. The Veterans Gardening Day is taking place at M Marie Wilkinson's Food Pantry on Saturday, May 7th from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. This will be a long day of honoring the veterans of Illinois. Also, this will celebrate House Bill 2894, designating the first Saturday in May as Veterans Gardening Day. See the flyer for more details and thank you to all the sponsors for their hard work. A great community cleanup event will take place on the 23rd of April. 
Join the Fox Valley Park District and the Office of State Representative Barbara Hernandez at Gregory Island Park, located at 100-140 East Indian Trail. There will be equipment and refreshments provided. Registration at the link that I'll be providing is available there. Um, also, the, starting the 27th of this month and continuing to the 17th of May, the Disabilities Listening Tour will meet at various locations in Aurora, hosted by the Seniors and Disability Services Department of the City of Aurora. This initiative aims to connect individuals with direct resources. This is a very helpful way to voice the concerns of all members of our community. And you can call 630-256-4636 for more information. Jennifer Ryan Mason. Happy Easter weekend, everyone, all. My sister is in, is flying in from Virginia. Let me know if there are any must-see or do things for a teen and adults. Hmm. Anything going on for teens and young adults this weekend? You guys can let us know. I would say Jennifer Ryan Mason it may be worth it, too. Stop in. Maybe the live teen center is open this weekend. I don't know if they have drop-in hours. I'll look on their Instagram real quick. Um, but go there. Shoot some pool. They got a recreation uh, center there. It's a nice place. Okay. Next thing's next. Uh, Anna Sierra, good morning to you. And Callie Sorg, good morning to you, Callie, as well. Angelica Guzman, good morning. and Good to see you, dear friend. Angelica Guzman is our talented friend of ADS, Alarm Detection Systems. What's the S stand for? Services? Systems? System Services, it, it's definitely an S. Okay, listen to this. I have more historical news today. The theme, if you've been paying attention, ladies and gentlemen, is one of good, destructive history. 75 years ago today, history was made. And yet, the things that happen still reverberate. The word of the day is reverberate. Thank you. Reverberate down through time. Remember, the best time to plant a tree is today or 10 years ago. Read a great editorial about a great man. I want to share this with you guys. I'm not going to read a lot of it. It is slightly windy, but I will read to you what matters most. Aurora, Aurora, holy cow, <laughs> messed it up. Oh my god, scratch it, do scratch it up. <laughs> it. Rip it up. Ah, all right. Let's try this again, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Nora Peterson, hello. Systems, thank you very much. Bingo tonight at McCarty Mills and Ramen. All right. Here's what I was going to say. Today is also the birthday of the first African-American mayor of Chicago, Harold Washington. A century after his birth, the legacy of former Chicago Mayor Harold Washington offers much for the city he once governed to celebrate and looking forward to complicate. Although, contemplate, excuse me. Although he is most widely remembered as the city's first black mayor, the diverse makeup of the memorial crowd at his Harold Washington Library Center symbolized another legacy, the diverse coalition he rallied in order to change not only the city's mayor, but also it's politics. Change. We gave this to you, but this was something different. This was sports, right? Sports. Politics. Change. That is the theme. It continues. It wasn't easy. Winning Chicago's Democratic mayoral primary was a historic first for a black man in 1983. Washington's upset victory in a three-way Democratic primary race against incumbent Mayor Jane Byrne and future Mayor Richard M. Daley triggered a racially charged backlash. Overnight, the city's moribund Republicans, excellent use of that word, rallied behind a long shot. 
Bernard Epton. He was an Illinois House member from Hyde Park. Racial code surfaced most ominously in this campaign ads that urged voters to vote for Epton before it was too late. Even after he won that contest, he faced the council wars from a block of 29 mostly white aldermen who blocked his agenda as rigidly as the partisan gridlock that ties up Congress today. He won a second term the following year, but that was cut short after a fatal heart attack in his office at age 65. But he often, excuse me, he left a legacy of other achievements that changed City Hall's relationship to the neighborhoods. He opened the first Office of Latino Affairs. He opened new opportunities in hiring and apartments for diverse, excuse me, appointments for diverse Chicagoans. He pushed for ethics codes and tenant protection laws, as well as collective bargaining rights and opportunities for minority-owned businesses to get their fair share of city contracts. And we talked about city contracts before. You guys know that. How is it that the same people keep developing the same buildings and the same, you know, there's 20 construction companies here. Why do they keep picking ABC construction? It goes on. He also won friends and impressed doubters with economic development and planning initiatives for long neglected neighborhoods, including, as he proudly pointed out, in areas that had voted against him. His reputation spread beyond Chicago as President Barack Obama would attest to years later in accepting the Harold Washington Award from the Congressional Black Caucus. I originally moved to Chicago in part because of the inspiration of Mayor Washington's campaign. For generations, excuse me, for new generations, Washington offers a model of politics that Otto von Bismarck famously called the art of the possible. For those of you who do not know, Otto von Bismarck is the man who unified and created what became Germany after the Franco-Prussian War in 1870. Heavy shoes to fill, but change is the theme, and that's how those shoes were filled. Uh, so today is the 100-year and well, the birthday, 100 year birthday of the late Mayor Harold Washington, a man who my dad loved. He loved Harold Washington. Harold Washington. All of them. The greatest man. The greatest man that ever lived. That's awesome. But then again, that's because my dad and my parents come from an era of people who never thought they would see a black president. So, Harold Washington to my, Michael Rayford? Is Michael Rayford in the chat? As y'all, well, I mean, it doesn't have to be a Michael Rayford. A Norma Peterson, we know this, right? Representation, what have we talked about on this show before? Representation. Do the people look like me? Can I make it to that level? Can I myself see myself occupying that spot someday? Representation matters. And these, and uh, Harold Washington and Jesse, or excuse me, Jackie Robinson are two great examples of change, long-lasting change, and making a positive history. The time is now 8.24 a.m. Michael Rayford, good morning. Yes, you're here. You're here. Good morning to you, Michael. I love you, man. Michael Rayford worked for um, PBS for a long time. Joe Jackson is here. Good morning. Jennifer Ryan Mayton. I went to Harold Washington College to finish my degree. Jennifer Ryan Mayton. Absolutely awesome. Renee Cruz. Good to see you. Leo Zarco. Good morning to you, dear sir. All right. Now that I gave you, I really wanted to, so uh, Maria came in and was like, how you guys feeling this morning? I really wanted to talk about that this morning. I really did. I was happy to highlight those two, two stories this morning. That really made my day. And I did that for all of our parents out there. Because right now, 
Then I'll get to what I have to tell you about. Because here's the thing. Right now, somewhere, there is somebody's dad or their Theo or whoever who's thinking, man, if we can have the first Latino whatever. Right now. It may be another 20. Who knows? But someday, some Latino house, some kid is going to be like, who's that guy? And his dad's going to be like, that's the first Latino mayor of Chicago or whatever. That's the circle of life. Okay. So here's something that is very important to tell you guys about. Shout out to our friends of Kane County, Kane County judges. Renee Cruz, I just saw, how about that? I just said your name, Renee Cruz, and this isn't necessarily about you, but you are a judge, so this is your good work. Um, there's a discussion going on, it's called Worries of the World Wide Web. Judges are talking to students about real life consequences for the misuse of technology. Now I asked, I asked Liz yesterday, I asked a few people, I asked Anodyne Solutions. I've asked a lot of people about um, uh, is social media helping or hindering discussions, work, and the things we do. It helps a lot of people, but it does have some consequences. The misuse of technology can lead to criminal charges, a permanent record, or in the most extreme circumstances, loss of life. Those issues are addressed in a statewide program developed by two Kane County judges that is returning this year after a pandemic pause. The hour-long presentation, Worries of the World Wide Web, is geared toward middle school students and takes an eye-opening look into the potentially criminal and sometimes devastating after-effects of cyberbullying, electronic harassment, and what have you. Uh, the origins of the program came from concerns middle school teachers shared with Kane County Judges Susan Bowles and Clint Hull about the harmful repercussions students were dealing with because of social media. So they wanted to create a narrative with students using real life examples of what may seem to be private texts, pictures, and videos that really weren't. The students are confronted with the reality of how their actions could land them in the court system no matter what their age and what that could mean for them later as adults. What students need to understand is the moment they press send on social media, they lose control over what they just sent. The text or picture which they thought was private can be forwarded, posted, and or shared with anyone on the internet. The end result is that, quote, private picture or text just became available to everyone online. Um, according to the Centers for Disease Control, suicide is the third leading cause of death in younger people ages 15 to 19 years old. In 2016 and 2017, the Illinois Judges Association worked with Judge Bowles and Hull to expand the program statewide. This is the, excuse me, this is only the third program sanctioned by the organization for use statewide. Uh, in April, the program will be presented to students at Geneva Middle School South on April 21st and Geneva Middle School North on April 22nd. Worries of the World Wide Web, an eye-opening program about the real-life criminal consequences when kids hit send. Yikes. Uh, the time is 8.28 a.m. Parents, we, we got kids out there and Social media is fun, right? They're having a good time and they see this and look at this video and they want to make it, but there are people doing bad things online. And some of the traps that exist for young people to fall into are, uh, you know, criminals come up with something new every single time. Every single time they're on all these apps. Uh, the Kane County Sheriff's Office and the FBI just yesterday working with the Regional Office of Education, I believe, at a cyber crime, a youth cyber crime um, discussion yesterday, uh, talking about the things that it takes to identify abuse in young people. All right, the time uh, is 8.29 a.m. Well, with young people on social media. All right, 
So Aurora's looking at a $56 million bond issue. Um, and this is a brand new story, which debuted just yesterday. All right. This bond issue will fund capital and economic development projects and refinance existing bond issues. Alderman on the Finance Committee this week recommended the bond issue when Chris, excuse me, which Chris Minnick, the chief's the city's chief financial officer said would not be paid back by property taxes. I like that. He says, quote, it will be paid out of other revenue. We intend to abate the tax levy on this. I like how you got that out the way now. Like, I know what you're thinking, but we're not going to raise taxes on your property. Ah, good luck. Generally speaking, the bonds would pay for about $16 million in 22 capital projects already budgeted in 2022. About $21.5 million in refinancing three existing bond issues and about $12.2 million in payments the city is committed to involving economic development projects in 2022. The remainder of the money raised would pay for the issuance of the bonds. The economic development projects include money due on some of the bigger redevelopments going on throughout the city, including the Hobbs Building, the Kraft Urban Building, the Terminal Building, the Keystone Building, and the former West Aurora School District Administration Building at 80 South River Street. That's, a that's across street from uh, El Tio. It also includes $3 million to DAC Developments. Oh, they coming up next. Let's read that again. It also includes $3 million to DAC Developments, which is building the apartment complex along North Broadway on the east bank of the Fox River downtown, and $5 million towards woke, woke towards work on Bilter Road, where the city bought and tore down five properties. The biggest capital projects and the money budgeted toward them include $7.5 million towards the combined maintenance facility, $1 million towards fire station number 13. $1.8 million towards relocating fire station number 4. $1.8 million toward buying a ladder truck. And $500,000 for improvement to the Stolp Island parking deck. That could use a little bit of work in some little corners of it. Uh, the existing bond issues to be refinanced would be around, excuse me, would be the 2012 and 2013 bonds issued to help build the new Aurora Public Library at River and Benton. Uh, according to Mr. Minnick, the issue would be capped uh, at $56 million, but the city will not know exactly how much it will be until the bonds are actually sold. All right. So we're going to get into more DAC development news. That is the apartment complex that's coming very soon. If you guys are familiar with TIF districts, we talked about them ad nauseum on this show. Monica, if you'd be so kind, take us to another commercial. I was like, give me the definition of that. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, me, right? Yeah. All right. Um, let's see. Thursday, the 28th of April. From 9 a.m. to 3 p.m., there will be another forklift driver certification class hosted by the Kane County Sheriff's Office. This one-day class will be hosted at the Kane County Jail and St. Charles. There is a registration fee of $25 that covers your lunch. And I also read on the flyer that we shared on our social media that this certification is good for three years. Mm -hmm. Fox Valley Hands of Hope is now registering participants for the spring session of Family Forest Days. This will take place Saturday, April 30th from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. and will be held at Leroy Oaks Forest Preserve. For families coping with loss, there will be outdoor activities, lunch will be provided, and you can speak with staff about resources. You can email griefsupport at f vhh.net with any questions. Get ready for the community market. This will be in partnership with the Aurora Pride Parade taking place June 12th. Do you sell unique items? Well, you can be a vendor. This is brought to us by Indivisible Aurora. 
Wednesday and Thursday, April 13th and 14th, which already passed. So I am no longer reading that. <laughs> But the Village Food Pantry is open at Village Baptist Church to anyone in need. Village Baptist is located at 515 South Frontenac Road. A photo ID is required and the pantry is open the second and fourth Friday of each month from 9.30 a.m. to 11 a.m. And you can come as early as 8.30 a.m. and enjoy coffee and donuts. Join for Sunday worship as well. For more information, feel free to call 630-851-4120. That's right. Okay, now, here's something that's coming up on Saturday the 30th. Um, Good Morning Aurora will be at the Moms for Moms Vendor event nonprofit pop up celebration. This will be from 8 a.m. to noon at Java Plus. Many vendors will be there the Avon Company, Beauty is Forever LLC, Brianna Lynn Photography, Classy Crafty Wife, Norwex, Planned by Francis, Prime Events, Sudsy Bums LLC, The Creative Soul Sisters, The Juice Plus Company, Earth Karma, EZ Nutrition. Green Compass Global, Victoria Hila Maldonado, Victorious uh, Editing Services. Once again, that'll be at Java Plus 1677 Montgomery Road here in Aurora, the Moms for Moms nonprofit pop up celebration. And Good Morning Aurora will be there. We will be in the house. We'll have the camera and all that. And, uh, you know, we will holler at you people. We will see you out there. So come on out, have a cup of coffee there, and uh, get to know us. The time is 8.37 a.m. All right. Here's the next piece. Um, that was the bond issue portion, right? Yes, it was. Okay. All right. Um, so before I get to DAC developers, because they're in the news again, ladies and gentlemen. They're in the news again. I'm going to give you some more incentives on uh, DAC. Uh, the venue, Aurora, seeks a new deal for the use of Monday Park for outdoor Concerts. This is an example of, what would I call this? This is an example of getting ahead of the storm now. So here's, here's one of the things about Good Morning Aurora. I don't know if you guys know this, but never do later what you can do now. Just remember that. It's not just a news thing. Try that in life. Today, when you're going to do something, or maybe you're maybe you're at your little cubicle right there at comment, you know, and your boss wants you to do something, you're like, oh man, I'm not trying to never do later what you could do now. So this is this is interesting. Listen to this. Aurora is looking to again have a deal with the venue to use Monday Park next door for outdoor concerts. This will be the fourth year the city and the venue, a downtown live music facility, would have such a deal. But this year's arrangement includes fewer outdoor shows to better coordinate other uses for Monday Park. Hmm. Uh, Mr. Nelson, Mike Nelson, uh, he says that Monday is more available this year. He was talking to the city's uh, infrastructure and Technology Committee, which recommended this year's Memorandum of Understanding to the full council. The agreement would have the venue paying a one-time fee of $25 for four outdoor events during the summer. Originally, the venue paid a one-time fee of $100 and had more events. Last year, the city cut that down to $10 because of the pandemic. But the venue also had more outdoor events last year because of the pandemic. Ah. At times, that caused conflict with events on the Water Street Mall next door. It also caused some organizations to protest that they could not use Monday Park because it was in use by the venue so much. The venue is in a city-owned building that faces Broadway and the Water Street Mall downtown. The north side is next to Monday Park. And the facility has a door built into that wall to open up to the park. But Monday Park is available to any organization in the city through 
the special events office. Uh, Mr. Nelson said, having only four outdoor events in the park works out fine for the venue, uh, which found out that it takes a lot of labor and resources to move their equipment in and out of that space. The venue is owned and operated by the not-for-profit Fox Valley Music Foundation. Some of the outdoor events planned for Monday Park this year include the Blues and Brews Fest on June 10th, 11th, and 12th, and Jazz Festival July 8th, 9th, and 10th. All right. Well, I look forward to... Uh, I look forward to being out there in Monday Park. We know some partying in Monday Park, haven't we? Mm -hmm. We've been out there hanging. Yes, we have. Some of y'all watching this show right now have been out there with us in Monday Park. Yeah, you had the tacos that night. You might have been at Bridge Bash. Ha! <laughs> if you weren't, you, you missed the shebang. Okay. So, before I get into the new thing that I got to tell you guys about... Hold on a second. Let me read this text message. I got an interesting text. Aha. Listen to this. This, oh, this is a... Uh... In the old school days of news... Breaking news still meant like the editor had to give it to you. We got cell phones now. I can get breaking news anytime. Bing! Curtis, can you mention this? Yes, I can. Okay. For the kids, a children and teen resources event. Oh, uh, Jennifer Ryan Mayton, I got your event that you're going to, you know, the coming from VA, young people. Check this out. This is the children and teen resources event. It will be this Sunday at 11 a.m. at Java Plus. Um... All raffle proceeds will be benefiting, benefiting Mental Revelations. Snacks and drinks are sponsored by our dear friend Annie Kinsley of State Farm. Fox on the Fox as well as co-sponsoring. And Victoria Hyla Maldonado will be there. This is a great way for parents and kids to come learn about opportunities and services available in the local area. ACT and SAT test prep, team life coaching, Homeschool specialists, tutoring, entrepreneur opportunities for youth, career coaching, counselors, children book authors, and youth publishing opportunities. I mean, what more do you need? Coffee. It's going to be at Java Plus. So that looks like a um, looks like a really good time. I hope that you guys have a good time out there. All right, the time is eight forty-two a.m. Let's keep going here. Raffle prizes, please. Yes, Jen. Jen, Monica forgot the shirts for the raffle prizes. So Monica will reach out to you and give you the shirts so you can have them. Uh, the time is 8.43. Saul Olivas, have you heard of the Dominican Literacy Center in Aurora? Thank you for that link, dear brother. I have heard about them. They've been around for a while, right, Saul? Uh, good morning to you, Tracy Duran, as well. Renee Cruz, we've taught WOW to students, um, community groups, church groups, etc., in English and Spanish. Thank you very much. WOW is an acronym for Watch Out for the World Wide Web. Uh, Dora Sanchez Soto, we need Latinos in leadership in Aurora schools and business organizations. I know we have them, but we need stronger leaders. And uh, Maria Chirito, good morning to you. Okay, so here's the thing. Let me, okay. Now let's get down to some more development news. Um, the city of Aurora, just this week, officially announced its intent to develop a tax increment financing district TIF district as an incentive for a $70 million apartment development on the east bank of the Fox River downtown, Alderman officially adopted a resolution making the announcement that the eligibility study and study report uh, as well as the redevelopment plan for the project are now available. Okay, you following along? Let's go. 
According to Mayor Richard Irvin, quote, the documents are on file with the city clerk. We are beginning the final process of moving forward with the proposed TIF district close quote. In addition to the city council action on Tuesday, the city council finance committee yesterday recommended another part of the announcement that should take place officially at the April 26th council meeting. So I said that real slow so that you can pay attention for the April 26th city council meeting. Right? Right. But Curtis, what date is that again? April 26th, baby. Alderman on the Finance Committee recommended a public hearing and convening of the Joint Review Board for the TIF District. The Joint Review Board is made up of members of all the other taxing districts involved. That board must approve of the TIF district before it can be created. This is the next step toward creation of the TIF district after the first step taken by the full council on Tuesday. Listen very closely. In TIF districts, assessed value is frozen for the purpose of tax collection. And as the value of the property rises, the taxes created by increasing property value goes into a special fund as an increment. That money is used for expenses related to the development. The TIF district, which would have the same boundaries as the development, was proposed by the city as part of an incentive for the project. Called the East River Bend TIF District, it would be part of the 246 unit, $70 million DAC development LLC project complex, or excuse me, apartment complex project between the East Bank of the Fox River, between Jake's and the township building. Currently, parts of the proposed TIF district are within the city's existing TIF district number one and other parts are located within the city's TIF district number six. So they're giving them their own joint. Did you get it? The redevelopment agreement between the city and DAC developments is to build the apartment building, including a parking structure and various amenities. We talked about some of those amenities. They include a swimming pool on your own floor. That's fly as hell. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you, whoever gets an apartment there, you better be a listener. I'm bringing the camera to your whole house. Oh, damn, you got what? TV screens on the wall? <laughs> Everybody got those. Okay. Uh, Casildo, Casey Cuevas, good morning to you as well. Uh, it continues. Mayor Irvin said this week, the city expects to create the TIF district by this summer. Further steps associated with the creation of the TIF district will include the provision of mailed notices, public notices, a joint review board meeting and a public hearing, all part of the law. The redevelopment deal with DAC has the city giving about $6.7 million and in incentives as part of the project. Creating a TIF district is one of those assist, uh, incentives. Excuse me. DAC Developments is committing about $11 million of its own equity in the, to the project and would secure a $50 million loan. According to the development agreement, the city would give DAC Developments a $963,000 forgivable loan upfront and about another $2 million in 2022. Time is 8.48 a.m. Okay, lots of development news. Our city is coming back, ladies and gentlemen. Our city is coming back, but Here's the thing. So that's housing. We got housing coming on the west side, on that side of the river. But as some of our colleagues and fellow community partners have asked and even sent me emails after the show. Curtis, is any of that going to be affordable housing? It doesn't look like it. It doesn't look like it. So our desire to see affordable housing continues. We will report that in due time. But now I have some news. I'm not going to call it bad news, but this is uh, not good. Monica, take me. Take me to a commercial. 
Ah, uh, I have a blueberry muffin here, ladies and gentlemen. I'm trying to, the thing about doing this, here's what's tough about doing this job. People always ask, Curtis, what's the hardest thing about your job? The fact that if I take one bite of this good ass blueberry muffin, I won't be able to talk while I'm showing it. So I have to like, literally like have Monica take us to a commercial so I can eat. And I want, like I can taste the flavor. I want more of it right now. I know, sad as hell, sad as hell. Monica, take us to a commercial. I'm just playing. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, Advocate Aurora Health and Northwestern Medicine rank among the bottom 25 hospital systems in the country when it comes to spending as much on charitable care and their communities as they save through tax exemptions granted to nonprofit hospitals. That's from a new report according to, uh, that's from a new report from the Lown Institute. Both hospital systems criticize the rankings as failing to take into account everything they do to help their communities. The article goes on. Advocate Aurora received an estimated $498 million more in tax exemptions than it spent on charity care and community investment in fiscal year 2019, earning it the eighth lowest spot in the country. Advocate Aurora has 27 hospitals in Illinois and Wisconsin. Northwestern, which has 10 acute care hospitals in Illinois, ranked 14th lowest in the country. Northwestern received an estimated $283 million more in tax exemptions than it spent on charity care and community investment. Nonprofit hospitals receive local, state, and federal tax exemptions, but are also required to report to the IRS each year how much money they spend to benefit their communities. Tax exemptions for nonprofit hospitals have long been a topic of controversy in Illinois and across the country. With some people saying not-for-profit hospitals operate more like businesses and should have to pay taxes. Some people say they need exemptions to provide the best possible care, including to patients who can't pay. Dr. Vikas Saini, president and CEO of Loud Institute, says, quote, it's an important issue because our nonprofit hospitals really are participants in a social compact. This is now a big business. There are many, many dollars flowing through. It behooves us to understand what the tax exemption is doing, what it's for, and whether it's still a fair dispensation, close quote. Representatives Advocate of War, Aurora, and Northwestern Hospital, however, said the report is flawed. Advocates said in a statement that health equity is one of its top priorities and its contributions to community charitable care and services rose by more than 16% from 2019 to 2020, up to $2.5 billion. Northwestern spokesman Chris King referred to comments made by American Hospital Association President and CEO Rick Pollack last year when the Lowndes Institute released a similar report. In those comments, Mr. Pollack noted that an Ernst & Young report done for the Hospital Association found that in 2016, nonprofit hospitals were exempt from an estimated $9 billion in federal taxes and provided an estimated $95 billion and community benefits. Northwestern spent nearly $1.2 billion on community benefits in fiscal year 2020, according to the health system. Now, here's the thing. I, until reading this, I was not familiar with the Lown Institute. Uh, but what do you guys think about that? Should hospitals pay taxes? I mean, how many people, how many of you knew that hospitals weren't paying taxes? Did anybody know that? Did anybody know that uh, $498 billion? That's a lot of money.
So for those who did not know, how do you feel now that you do know? Those that did know, what do you think about that? And should hospitals have to pay taxes? I personally think that, I'll defer judgment right now, but I think that, I think that hospitals do a great job and to their point, including taking care of people who don't have insurance. But I don't think you should be applauded for taking care of people just because they don't have insurance. I mean, I think that, the, I, right? I mean, maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm just naive. Sure, I don't work in the industry or insurance. But, you know, to say for your answer to be, well, hey, I mean, we take care of people who don't have insurance. That's not really the biggest, right? If, if you're doing your job, right? If you, you shouldn't be congratulated for just doing your job because you take care of people who don't have insurance. Um, but I think the, the article, what upsets me about the article is that it highlights, I think, how broken the system is. That's what it highlights because the report uses information from a man or a Massachusetts based think tank that is tasked with making this. So their assessment is not wrong. But the bickering back and forth and they're saying, oh well they're not looking at this, they're only looking at that, it shows just how broken the system is. You know? Um so yeah, I think it's uh an interesting conversation that's going to keep going. It what's most striking about it is that our hospitals here in Aurora, or rather the network here in Aurora, um, would be so low on the scale. You know, I think that's kind of what what really sticks out about the article. You know, the article is like eighth and fourteenth lowest in the country. That's not good. You know, it's like you're the eighth lowest. Ah, okay. So, <laughs> all right. So I didn't win. I'm number eight at the way bottom. Ah, thank you. Thank you very much for that. All right. The time is now 8.57 a.m. So, Oliva, I did not know until I read the article. In that case, hospitals should be doing more to help individuals with no insurance and provide more programs in the community. Absolutely. Leo Zarko, have a great weekend to you, too, my dear brother. Um, yeah. Interesting information. All right. It's Friday. Uh, we have reached the end of the show, just about. Um, where are we meeting today at 10 a.m.? Uh, Treadwell. Um, I hope that you guys have a beautiful and a blessed weekend. I hope that you guys have a great weekend. Um, I hope that you enjoy yourselves. Have a safe day. And, uh, we look forward to seeing you guys back here. Monday morning, next week is a big week. Take care of yourself and each other.